everyone, and welcome to the 14th episode of my podcast, History from the Back Pages, which goes in-depth on historical figures, events, and places throughout history. Today's episode will focus on Naomi Uemura, a Japanese adventurer and was known as a national hero of Japan as of today. Naomi Uemura was born in Hideka, Japan in 1941. He was known as a shy guy, so he was thought to be more confident if he started climbing. That's what he said in his notes. And also he was skilled with operating radio equipment. And lots of people had climbed high peaks before and did a lot of climbing, but Mr. Imura was the first to solo climb a number of peaks in throughout the world. So before he turned 30 years old, He'd already climbed Kilimanjaro in Africa, Mount Blanc, and the Matterhorn in the Alps, and Akunda in South America. That's the only one of those peaks that I'm not familiar with very much. And after that, he had dreams to climb and commit even more dangerous activities. Mr. Uramura definitely got adrenaline from doing dangerous activities. <laughs> also, he was the first person to raft across the whole Amazon River by himself. So he got his raft and went across the whole entire Amazon without trouble. And that's very interesting that Mr. Amura didn't need a team because many of the activities that he was involved in had been only done by teams, not solo. So he did it solo. And then in 1970, he had a mission to climb to Mount McKinley. He wanted to come climb Mount McKinley in the summer, which is now known as Denali. So if I'm talking about Mount McKinley and Denali, they're the same thing. But just a couple years ago, President Obama officially changed it to Denali instead of Mount McKinley. But this is back in the 70s and 80s, so it's known as Mount McKinley then. And he was the first person to climb Mount McKinley in the summer, solo, because there had been expeditions done by teams from around the world, but he was the first to do it solo. And about eight years later, in 1978, he decided to go to the North Pole solo. So there had been expeditions made to the North Pole prior to Mr. Umura, but they had been in big teams with lots of sled dogs lots of food and lots of preparation so they would be safe and many had failed as well but Mr. Uramura went with it doesn't say how many sled dogs he had but he had many Malamutes with him and his sled and he went off to North Pole an interesting story but when I talked about my podcast last week or last episode on Jedediah Smith fought a grizzly bear when he was out in the Dakotas in the Black Hills, and Mr. Uemura also had to fight off a polar bear this time. So we get to see two adventurers, back-to-back episodes that had to deal with a vicious, deadly bear. And I think polar bears are probably more dangerous than the grizzly bear. I would not want to have to face off against a polar bear in the North Pole. Yikes. That would not be something that I would look forward to doing. So he managed to fight off the polar bear, and he survived, and it took him over 57 days until he reached 
the North Pole, and he received lots of um, care packages and food from the Canadian Air Force. And after this, when he had reached the North Pole, Mr. Uemura decided that he wanted to pack light and receive less help from governments. So the next missions he would do would be more by himself and what he prepared instead of receiving stuff from helicopters. Then we get to the big mission that Mr. Uemura had done. And if you need to know anything about what he did, this is probably the story that you would know about his life's work. So in 1984, almost 15 years after he had traveled to Mount McKinley and climbed it solo in the summer, this time he wanted to travel to Alaska and climb Mount McKinley in the winter. This was deemed almost impossible by experts in Alaska, and people had climbed Mount McKinley in big teams, many had failed though in the winter. So he's going to be the first to do it solo in the winter, and many experts advise Mr. Murray to forget all about it and just climb a different peak instead, or wait to climb Mount McKinley again in which is a good climbing season, so summer, June, July, around that time, not the winter in February. And as I said earlier, Mr. Amura wanted less help, so instead of bringing a tent, he decided to um, sleep in the ice caves that were all around Mount McKinley from the beginning of base camp at 16,000 feet, 18,000 feet, and more. There was accessible ice caves that he could sleep in with his gear, his cold food. This says Mr. Imura loved to eat whale blubber and other foods that he would pack with him to bring to his different climbing expeditions. And now we get to basically the mysterious part of Mr. Imura's journey, because what he reached the top of Mount McKinley in the winter and people know that he reached it because when some people arrived to try to find Mr. Umura, at the top of it they found a Japanese flag, so it shows that Mr. Umura had indeed reached the top of Mount Kinley in the winter. And the reasoning behind why couldn't Mr. Umura just told people himself that he'd really reached the top, well this is where it gets mysterious. Because once Mr. Umura reached the top of Mount Kinley, he radioed to somebody who, a TV journalist from Tokyo, Sam, I forget his last name, but he was talking to him and he said, I reached the top of Mount McKinley and I'm coming down. So he descended to 18,000 feet and then a man who was flying a plane in the, in the area, Lowell Thomas Jr., radioed to congratulate Mr. Amura and tell him he was so proud of him that he reached the top of Mount McKinley in the winter. And this was around his birthday, so February 13th. And then Mr. Murr got to about 16,000 feet they know of because a man flying saw Mr. Murr and waved to him. Mr. Murr waved back, saw him with his gear and stuff, and an ice cave on the edge. But that's the last time that anyone ever saw Mr. Murr. He was at 16,000 feet. And he was supposed to get picked up on February 16th. But there were some big storms in the area, one of the worst storms they've had in a number of years. So they had to wait a couple days until February 19th to 
send a plane to go look for Mr. Yamura. So two Japanese um, people who were big fr friends with Mr. Yamura and skilled mountain climbers decided to go rescue him or see would he okay, did he need help. And when they arrived, they went with some the National Park Service. They had uh, helicopters and planes flying around to try to spot Mr. Yamura before it was too late because it was very cold, lots of fr very freezing, and also in this time, you had to be careful because there were crevices and glaciers that could fall on no moment's notice. So, Mr. for example, Mr. Yamura was not paying attention. He could have slipped and fallen through a crevice and never be seen again. But, so they did that, and then on February 25th, they basically entered the search because no one spotted Mr. Yamura since February 14th, and the hope chances of him surviving 10 days in the cold and bitter winter in Alaska was slim at best. And when they asked the expert, oh, I forgot to mention, but basically this whole journey he went from Mount Killing this one, the TV newsman from Japan, he was filming it, so he was involved directly with Mr. Yamura's journey. That's why we know a lot of facts about when Mr. Yamura reached the top of Mount Kinley and what he brought with him. Also his journal too, Mr. Yamura had a journal that they found in Ice Cave at the 16,000 feet level. So that's how we know a lot of this because since he's gone, we can't ask Mr. Yamura directly what had occurred. And they ended up giving up and people in Japan fought him Mr. Yamura's hero called him a national hero of Japan and somebody who worthy of being remembered. So they've made a museum for Mr. Yamura and also in Japan there's a national award you can win which is called the Naomi Yamura Award and the museum is in Tokyo and also where he was born um, in Haikeda, but now it's known as Tuyuku. It's a new name, so it moved into that one. So that's where you'll find it, Tokyo and the other place. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of History from the Back Pages. It's been very interesting so far. We focused on a number of different historical figures, ranging from missionaries, Baptist teachers, explorers, and this was the second explorer that I've done so far, because last week was Jedi Smith. So Jedi Smith and Naomi Yamura were completely different, but they both accomplished many successful adventures, and both should be remembered by people who are interested in exploring, or venturing, or is interested in history itself in regards to doing stuff that's outside of the realm of possibility. And for the next episode, I'm considering maybe doing another sport who disappeared. We'll have to see. But thanks for tuning in. Bye!